My guest today on The Scholars is Eva McKinley. Eva is best known for her work as founder of The Last Straw, a campaign with a mission to reduce the use of plastic straws and single-use plastics around Australia. Eva, welcome to The Scholars. Thank you so much for having me. So am I right in saying you're a 2020 Sir John Monash Foundation scholar, but you're actually yet to start your overseas study. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. So I'll actually, you know, be going over in 2021 now, but still class of 20. So when were you supposed to begin your studies? Uh, I was supposed to start the September semester uh, over in the UK at the University of Bradford. Um, Mm. But that course is now being pushed back to the mid-year intake, which over there is January. So uh, we're starting mid-January. Okay. And when did you know all of that was happening? Was that when, you were, obviously, when Corona hit, you thought, hang on, there, there could be an issue here? Yeah, it's um, definitely been a week-by-week week sort of play <laughs> to find out what's going on and what's going to happen. Um, but the university has been really good in um, sort of consulting with us about whether we wanted to start later uh, and mm-hmm. also, um, yeah, so sort of really supporting us in uh, in being able to delay, um, make sure everything's safe and ready to go over. So. so tell us about the course that you will be studying uh, early next year. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm heading over to do a Master's of International Relations and Security Studies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, pretty much looking at a uh, deeper dive into international relations theory, um, how it applies to the modern world and looking at, um, security through the lens of, um, it's like international security and, um, what are sort of the modern dynamics and threats, uh, and possible solutions around, um, those kind of big global issues. So what, what was your interest in that? How did you um, get excited about that particular area of study? I, well, I started my undergrad because I wanted to learn Arabic. Um, I had a... <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a long story. Uh, yeah. As you do. Well, let's, let's hear it. I, yeah, I just had a, one of my first jobs was for a Syrian family that ran a takeaway shop in in Hobart and I worked for them for a couple of years uh, and they were just so lovely and wonderful and it was my first real exposure um, to a a culture and um, different from mine and yeah by the end of it I kind of was you know not a point where I could really say anything but I could understand a lot of what was going on I just loved the the language and the sound of it and um, and so, yeah, when I started my undergrad, I was like, well, what do I really want to do? I want to learn Arabic. So um, found a university that did a great um, Arabic course and they had... And where, where, where was that? That was at Deakin University. Okay. Um, so they had a lot of suggested courses to go along with it, which was modern Middle East studies and international relations and, and whatnot. And so I was like, okay, I'll sign up for those as well. Uh, and then as I got more into it, I became... <laughs> my Arabic didn't come along as quickly as I wanted, but <laughs> very difficult language to learn. Um, however, I found a really deep interest and love for, um, you know, all things uh, Middle East politics and international relations and just kind of thought, okay, wow, this is 
this is the direction that I want to go in. So um, doing this master's is going to be the next step along that journey in terms of um, being able to get me to a position where I'm ready to work in the field. So that's in, um, you'll be in the UK. Whereabouts are you studying? Uh, So I'll be at the University of Bradford um, up in Yorkshire. And what made you choose that university? A couple of reasons. So Bradford is, um, so in addition to the John Monash um, scholarship, I also hold a Rotary Peace Fellowship, which is amazing and I'm still pinching myself. Um, And that is one of the universities that is involved in that program. So so that's reason number one. Um, Reason number two is that uh, Bradford was a a huge pioneer in the field of peace studies and conflict resolution studies. Um, I think they were the first university in the world to have a a school actually dedicated to it uh, and have done a lot of work in um, a lot of prominent theory in that area but also um, because the course is really interesting and dynamic so it's not kind of just a year-long churning out papers and whatnot Um, there's six months worth of taught course three months of an international um, sort of experiential thing where you go in um, you know look at an organization you may want to work with in the future uh, or um, a policy institute that you might want to intern with and that kind of thing. So that's three months. And then you come back and write um, a thesis for the last three months. So it's quite an interesting and dynamic course. How long's the thesis that you have to put together? I think it's a 17,000 word. So not a huge, <laughs> just a little bit still <laughs> more still. than the honours. But, I mean, three months is a bit of a <laughs> – it would be a bit of a sprint, I think. You were, you were telling me before we came um, on air that you're actually in hotel quarantine in, um, in Tasmania. Tell us, tell us about how you ended up there. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I grew up in Tasmania. I spent most of my formative years here and um, moved over to Melbourne um, a couple of years back to go or to – I was supposed to do my honours year on campus because I'd studied my undergrad by distance, but I ended up um, doing my honours by distance as well, in effect, even though I was living okay. in Melbourne because yep. I was working yep. and running the last draw at the time. So um, that was a year. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so because I'm going away at the end of the year, I wanted to come home and, um, you know, see my people before I go. And, uh, yeah, there's just sort of no certainty around when the border between Tasmania and Victoria is going to open. So I just decided, uh, you know, I'll just go for it and <laughs> wear the extra two weeks of quarantine and, um, yeah, and just be back home for a little while. So you, so when you're in quarantine, you can't leave your hotel room at all, can you? Correct. Cannot leave, except we're allowed to have um, guided half-hour walks. So we're allowed out for half an hour into the fresh air. Um, but, yep. yeah, otherwise they kind of, like, knock on our door, leave a bag of food and run away. <laughs> It's um oh. quite interesting. So how yeah. how far into it are you that uh, it just started? This is day two, so <laughs> um, haven't quite not quite. You haven't got cabin fever yet. just yet, <laughs> exactly. But um, I mean, two weeks feels very manageable after the last, you know, um, nearly since March of being in lockdown. So I feel like I yeah. can do two weeks. So Tassie's your your hometown. What was it like growing up and going to school in Tasmania? 
Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was good. So we moved to Tasmania when I was 13. Um, and before that I lived in WA and New South Wales before that. So my schooling was kind of, um, all, all around the place. I really only did high school and college. Tasmania has a system where year 11 and 12 are actually split off and generally on a separate campus from years, um, seven to ten yeah so secondary. Yeah, yeah yeah from secondary so I did my um high school and college here and yeah it was lovely I mean um if you've ever been to Hobart it's a gorgeous um very picturesque place and so my high school was right by the ocean I uh, well, right by the river sorry um and no you know I've never been to Tassie I would love to go it's um, so beautiful yeah I've got I'd go for different reasons. I've got my eyes on a couple of the golf courses um, oh, to the north. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I can see and that King would be Island. a draw card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So were you um, obviously to to win a John Monash Scholar, I'm presuming at school you were a reasonably good student. I, yes. Well, look, when I applied myself, I think, um, so my – yeah, my schooling was a bit strange. We I moved schools six or seven times um, throughout my education. So and we moved a lot uh, interstate and just moved house a lot, really. So it was quite um, interrupted. So and and when we moved to Tasmania, I accidentally skipped a year somehow. I don't know. They put me in um, <laughs> like the second year of high just school. Turned up to the wrong class. <laughs> like, How do you accidentally skip a year? I finished primary school in Western Australia and then I came to Tasmania and they put me in year eight instead of year seven. Um, so, yeah, yeah, everyone had already formed their social cliques and knew what was going on and I was kind of dropped right in the middle of it and didn't really, yeah, know. <laughs> wow. What and what'd you say? Well, okay, well, let's just keep going. That's yeah, right. yeah, pretty much just try and um, figure you know, figure out the social dynamic and where I fit in and all that kind of thing. But, um, look, I... I was, I I wasn't a bad student, um, but I found myself I think more attracted to doing things like the extracurricular stuff, like the okay, um, yep. you know, the welfare club, and I was volunteering at my local council, and um, I did a fair bit of sport as well. Like I was, you know, um, the only girl on the school soccer team and the only girl on the school cricket team and stuff like that. Ah, so I was very trailblazer. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was very into that kind of stuff. And I think sort of, um, you know, when I need to sit down and, and apply myself to, you know, writing a paper, I absolutely can do that. But um, yeah, I think as a student, I was very sort of uh, more, more drawn to the dynamic parts of school. Than the, yeah. Okay. Than the so, so how did the, um, the John Monash Foundation scholarship come about? What was it that, that made you throw your hat into the ring and apply for that? Um, it's that I did really well in, in my honours year at uni. So I never, I never thought that I would go to university at all. No one in my, um, okay. in my family yeah. had gone to university and we never spoke about it as an option when I was growing up. So, um, it wasn't something that I ever considered for my future. And I started quite late. I did started my undergrad at 25, um, Okay. When I yeah, had that is, yeah. decided that that's um, something that I wanted to do for myself and for my life. Um, and so I kind of, yeah, managed to, I suppose I was really proud of being able to um, go from 
not being an, an excelling student and um, do really, really well. I got the, I ended up getting the highest thesis score for my cohort um, in my honours year, wow. which was really exciting. And I kind of, thank you yeah. so much. I think it's well done. the proudest moment of my life. But um, yeah, I think that was kind of the thing. It was like, okay, wow, I can do this. And something's happening. Um, mm. Yeah. And I'd, I'd grown so in love with the, you know, the concept of, um, you know, working internationally and um, the United Nations and all, and every job that I kind of looked at, I was like, okay, well, you need a master's degree minimum yep. for a lot of these. So I um, thought to myself, yeah, why not? I heard about, um, yeah, John Mash, John Monash Foundation uh, at a dinner I was at one time and, um, and Googled it the next day and thought, yeah, why not? Throw my hat in the ring and see how I go. So... <laughs> Was that was that a hard process to apply and go through the criteria and formulate an idea of um, where you wanted to study and um, you know get through get through the process? Yeah, I think um, it's not. I think it's not hard if you know what you want. Like if you have a an inf- a really good idea of what you want to achieve and where you want to go. So I think. Um, you know, my, my advice to anyone looking to apply would be to do a lot of thinking about that before you start the application process and sort of have it mm. um, <clears throat> sort of front of mind what it is that you want to do and achieve. But um, the thing that I found really interesting about the process, um, the whole process all the way through is that, you know, I always considered that getting a scholarship for a master's level study, you'd have to be um, academic level genius and uh, like yeah. you know that you have to be very you know it was sort of um, a bit rigid and all that kind of stuff but it was so much about um, you know leadership and what you see for the future of Australia and what you you know it's it's all about the um, the life of John Monash and the int- like the inspiration that he's provided um, to subsequent generations of Australians and so that was I found that really interesting that that was the focus of it but yeah the whole the whole process even though I was terrified in my interviews and totally thought that I bombed um both of them really? uh, the the foundation staff was so supportive throughout the whole thing uh like phone calls to make sure I was going okay and that I was prepared and that I had everything I needed and um my my state interview I was supposed to fly down to Tasmania um to do it face to face but my flight was delayed um, and so I ended up oh, no. having to do it on the fly last minute um, by laptop, which in 2020 actually is just the normal way of doing things. That's okay. <laughs> standard, standard. But last year, um, that was a bit oh, of a hiccup. Of course. So, yep, but they were yep. so wonderful in, in still allowing me to, you know, to go around and do it that way. So the whole process was um, <laughs> daunting because I made it daunting, but the foundation yep. was just so supportive. Now, I want to talk about The Last Straw. This is, um, you're the founder of this very successful campaign. Um, please um, tell us all about how how that began. Yeah, sure. Um, so, as I said, I love extracurricular activities. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, from as soon as I could, uh, I was working in bars. Um, I Oh, there's a bit of a story behind that as well. I don't know if I... Please do. Come on. Let's Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, um, I was a carer to my younger brother and sister um, from my teens and so worked in bars to sort of while I was also finishing school to 
um, you know, to look after them, pay the rent and make sure that um, we had enough money coming in. Yeah. And so kind of just um, fell in love with the industry and ended up, yeah, I stayed in it for a solid 10 years, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was working um, working on a Saturday night and one day just had this uh, kind of realisation as I was, you know, there's a bin usually in the sink where you empty all the, like the leftovers of glasses before you put them in the dishwasher. Yep. And yep. there was just so many plastic straws and I kind of like I worked in the industry for a long time but it just all of a sudden struck me how um how ridiculous it was that people would get like two straws and a drink that they'd have for 10 minutes and then you know those straws would go in the bin and um so I did a little bit of research and um you know yeah I kind of thought to myself that this is how much waste is being thrown out in one bar in one night in Hobart <laughs> like imagine the yeah, waste do, that do the maths on Melbourne yes you know, the whole of Australia, the whole of the world. So kind of, um, you know, and thought to myself, so I had a bit of a background in peer-to-peer fundraising um, and working on fundraising campaigns or awareness raising campaigns and thought to myself, like, I think there's an opportunity here to, um, to engage the hospitality community in making a shift in their industry and also kind of bring it, um, put it on the agenda, uh, the public agenda is um, something that, yeah, people should be thinking about and caring about. So that's kind of how it started. <laughs> so from from the spark of um, you know one night working at the bar, where did that uh, lead you? Yeah, it um, led. I was not expecting it to get as um, as big as it did at all. Um, it kind of started with me figuring out what the structure would be. So it was like a um, a membership basis where venues could sign on as members of the last straw. Um, and I give them a pack of resources that they could display in their venues and say, um, we're giving straws out on request only. Um, and this is why, and, you know, please support us in this. And, um, so I started by going like door to door in a few venues that I knew in Hobart. Um, and it was actually really difficult at the start because, and this was in 2015. Um, it's hard to believe now, but back then nearly everyone I spoke to was like, what's the big deal? <laughs> like, why, why does yeah, this matter? Are you serious? Yeah. What's, what's up with hmm. plastic waste? What do you mean? It's everywhere. Um, it's such a, and especially in the hospitality industry, it was kind of just a given, you know, you never question the straw in your drink. And so hmm. actually trying to convince people, first of all, that it was an issue was the biggest challenge. Um, but yeah, I think once I got a bit of a critical mass I tapped into a couple of different um networks in Melbourne and uh a huge Facebook group called the Melbourne Bartender Exchange where everyone in the industry kind of hangs out and um and advertises things and sends notifications and whatnot um you know that is sort of where it really started picking up pace where people like and I framed it as a challenge it was a straw free July challenge um, where venues were to try and go straw free for the month of July, um, in the same vein as plastic free July, which is a, which is a thing. Yeah. Um, and the hope was then that once they'd done that for a month, then they'd see that they could do it in perpetuity, <laughs> and it worked. Yes. So, um, you know, a, a bunch of venues signed on for the challenge. They ended up signing on as members. Um, full stop after that, and soon enough. Really, I started not having to campaign so much anymore for members because I was getting so many requests 
in um, that I could barely handle them. So yeah, just kind of grew from there. And so give us a sense of the scale of the campaign now, some of the, the facts and figures on how well it's done. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, we had, uh, I think it was over a thousand venues around the country sign up um, in conjunction with a, um, a sister campaign that popped up on the Great Barrier Reef that was focusing on uh, like all the vessels that go out sailing and getting mm. straws um, removed from those vessels. So, yeah, altogether we had over a thousand venues around the country that signed on. Um, we had, including the Sydney Opera House, which was really cool. So that was definitely a campaign highlight. Um, in 2018, we had, uh, an independent agency do a report, um, on the numbers and they figured we'd stopped 13 million plastic straws from entering the waste system that year. Um, so yes, yeah. It is. I mean, in in the terms of the scale of the issue, it's a bit of a drop in the ocean. But I think, you know, like it's nice to have. Have you had any opposition? What what, what about the straw manufacturers saying, "Hey, look, just cut this out"? <laughs> there actually really was at first, which is fascinating. Really? I had yeah, I won't name any names, but I had a um a straw company that was actually quite, um, you know, really resisting what I was trying to do. But I think um. You know, that's natural when something that you've sort of just taken as a given for your whole life suddenly is um, <laughs> is challenged. And of course. like there's that initial um, resistance to it. But I think more than anything, companies now look at it as an opportunity of, you know, mm. straws are now something that's really very much in the public um, minds and that there's an opportunity to diversify your um, your stock and bring in more sustainable options because that's what the market wants now. So I think, yeah, there was a bit of resistance at first, but it definitely um, shifted to more of an opportunity mindset. And what about overseas? Has it taken off internationally? It, Yeah, it did. Um, it was really cool. I had uh, groups of people, um, Indonesia, Peru, Kenya, um, get in touch with me and say, hey, this is really cool. We want to start um something like this where we are because you know especially in um bali plastic waste is a huge issue and they've done so much work there to try and um change that so what i did was because the model that i had worked in australia but obviously i didn't know how that was going to work in a peruvian or kenyan or indonesian context so Mm. um i just kind of like shared my resources and made logos that had the last straw Peru or the last straw Kenya um, and then they could sort of model the campaign however they wanted whatever would fit in a local context so for instance in Bali like they would they partnered with a bamboo straw producer and so that was their model was to get venues onto um, bamboo straws so yeah that was quite exciting. (laughs) Do people find that they miss drinking out of straws or not after a while it's like well I, I just don't need it. Yeah, it's just a change of habit, you know, which is always difficult at first. Mm. But, you know, after a while, you don't even think about it anymore. And I think the first time Mm. I drank from a metal straw, stainless steel straw, I was like, oh, this is odd. (laughs) But um, now it's totally natural. Now it's just something that, you know, you do without thinking about. So, yeah, it was that. I would 
there was that initial transition at first for a lot of people, I think. But um, yeah, now it's just kind of a thing. And and I noticed you've also um, you've spoken at TEDx. You've done one of the feature presentations. What was that like? Yeah, uh, that was incredible. And I, you know, that was something I was invited to do, which is even nicer when you, you know, you know mm. have that kind of external recognition of your work. Um, and that was so I I've done a lot of public speaking in my time, a lot of conferences and whatnot, but there was just something about a TED event that was very daunting um, and really nerve wracking. So it was only a short talk, but it was probably the most nervous 20 minutes of my life, I think. Okay. Where where did you do it? Where was that? Uh, It was at Melbourne University last year, last September. Mm. Um, and I've heard it's good, but I definitely have not watched it myself and don't intend to. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Do you have to memorise it? You do. Yeah, yeah. It's totally, um, yeah, yeah, totally no from script. memory. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I presume if you're being invited that you're recognised as an expert, so you don't need notes. Yeah. Well, that I think that was probably the nerve wracking thing about it is, you know, the whole thing of Teddy's ideas worth spreading and you kind of like, is my idea worth spreading? <laughs> you know, it's kind of almost existential. <laughs> and so, and, and I also note that you were nominated for Tasmania's Local Hero Award for Australian of the Year. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was that was definitely an honour. Um, yeah, very... How did that come about? Was that, was that as a result of um, the last draw? I think so. I'm not actually sure. I don't know who nominated me and I'm not sure what the contents um, of that nomination were either. Um, but I've, you know, I, like the last story is the thing that I'm best known for, I think, but I have done a whole host of other work sort of locally around Tasmania as well in my time. So I think I like to think it was like just a cumulative <laughs> kind of yeah, just, just general awesomeness. Just general yeah. awesomeness. <laughs> yeah. And now t- um, you've been working for a not-for-profit called YGAP. What is that all about? Yes. Um, yeah, so that's my current uh, full-time gig. So I'm the Marketing Communications Manager. Uh, and YGAP is an international development organisation that uses uh, the power of locally-led social enterprise in order to change communities. Okay. So um, that means, I mean, enterprise social enterprise is an incredible lever um for communities being able to develop themselves and you know people living in those communities obviously have the best understanding of the local context and what needs to happen in order to um to to change and improve so um yeah it's about pretty much facilitating support um for those people to create socially focused businesses that um, benefit their communities um, we work, we've got offices across, so we're headquartered in Melbourne, um, but we all work mm-hmm. remotely <laughs> at the moment. Thank you, COVID. Um, but okay. we've also got offices in, well, we run programs in Australia, um, Pacific Islands, Bangladesh, Kenya, um, South Africa, and then one uh, that's focused on women-led startups that um, is covers the African continent. So... Um, yeah, it's a fantastic nice, organization and um, really great work. So it's nice to be able to, <laughs> you know, get up and do that every day. So, um, so next year, just looking ahead, all things being equal, you'll be uh, in the UK studying in Bradford. So, 
So what's what's the plan? Will you, will you uh, be doing any you know side hustles? Anything on the uh, on the side outside of study? Oh my goodness, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure just yet, mm. but um, yeah, no, I think I think study will. I've not studied on campus before, like I said, so I'm not sure how that experience is different and whether that changes anything. Um, Have but you ever yeah. lived overseas before? Um, not for this amount of time. No, I've, okay. I've done yeah. study exchanges and spent yeah. a fair amount of time traveling, but not, yeah, I haven't sort of rented a house anywhere before overseas. Okay. So, yeah. Well, we, we wish you all the best, Eva McKinley, uh, a John Monash scholar. It's been um, fantastic chatting with you today and we wish you all the very best uh, for next year in particular with your studies overseas so thank you for joining us today on the scholars thanks so much thanks for having me